It's funny, um, as we were singing and worshiping, we finished that song, and Cameron said, well, sit down, and I just sat down, and I said, oh, well, I better get up. I'm, um, <laughs> so, my turn. Um, one thing, I, I love that song that we just sang, because the radical thing about Christianity is that we can be totally truthful with God and with one another about what we go through. And in every other religion, you clean yourself up, you present the best before God, and God says, you just come as you are. You come. That's the critical thing. If you see, if you're reading in the Word and see a deficiency in yourself, which we do a lot, don't we? Come to God and say, God, you're the one that promised that you're, you're working in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I need help. Um, in John 3, right after 3.16, he talks about Jesus coming into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And just a little bit later, it says that we should be practicers of the truth, that we can be honest with God, and God will bring us at that, at, from that place into the place that he wants us to be as we grow in him and mature in him. As we've been looking at the book of Micah, I'm, I'm just convinced the Lord has something that he wants us to hear. I, I think we've seen that over the last few weeks, the same themes and the same underlining uh, in our hearts God has brought forth, and I, and I think um, uh, we'll just continue on in that line. Rather than to be fearful and um, disengaged, um, on what's coming on the earth, the Lord wants us to know, brothers and sisters, that he has strategically placed us in our spheres, in our life, in our culture, in this very time, we are born in this time to be lights in the darkness going through what we see going around us. It's not accidental. Paul said that in Acts 17. He says that, that God has determined when and where we are, we are going to be born for one express purpose, that we would seek him. And if we would just grope after him, we'll find him because he's not far from any one of us. And God wants us to get that inside. If we don't get that in these times of darkness, then, then we will cower, we will have a siege mentality, we'll withdraw into the fortress and wait for Jesus' return. But God wants us to be men and women that rise up in who we are in the Lord Jesus and tell this dark world that we live in that it's good to know God and that we can know him and that and, and tell him proclaim his excellencies in this dark world that we live in he wants us to know inside to lift up our eyes from all the stuff that's happening and see the world as really a, there's a white ready to harvest crop out there that he wants us to engage those people in our spheres Day by day and instance by instance, you, you have contact with people that I'll never have contact and I, with. And I have contact with people that you'll never have contact with. And if we're just taking opportunities to tell people just how good it is to know the Lord, uh, we'll have an impact. Um, this, there are people that want to come to know him. The world is groping for hope. They're groping for forgiveness. They're groping for meaning. They're groping for salvation. And he wants us to remember that we're citizens of another country. Um, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. We're not in this alone. 
And he wants us to glorify God in our bodies day by day, instance by instance, situation by situation. Today's section of the word is one of the most universally known sections as far as the Messiah and a prophetic, a prophetic promise. And, um, and that's where he was going to be born. And, and also it's prophetic in that who he, what he was going to do. He was going to be God's ruler raised up. And we still haven't seen the total fulfillment of that. But he was going to be raised up as a shepherd. So we're going to be looking a little bit at kind of the bigger picture and where prophecy fits in. We're going to be looking at Jesus' rule, um, his authority, his lordship, and how good it is to be in that family, and his shepherding, his care for us. Um, Jesus' birthplace was predicted. Jesus being raised up as a ruler of Israel, and the name that's above all name is predicted there. Him being raised up as a shepherd, leading us all together, this huge flock of people, leading us into the Father's presence. And then, and then I think this is another neat chapter, that, another neat section of the word that blends the prophecies and fulfillment of his first coming and still leaves the, the door open for when he's coming again. We see, we see this integration of first coming verses and second coming verses and the hope that they're supposed to give. So let's pray together and then we'll um, jump, jump into Micah. Father, we are so thankful um, today that, Lord, you have snatched us out of the domain of darkness and you've placed us in the kingdom of your beloved Son and, and we have redemption in you, Lord, that the price for our forgiveness has been paid in full. And, and Lord, you love us. And I just pray that you would whisper in our hearts and our ears that um, you know us and that you care about us and that you have a plan for us. And Lord, as a company of your people, we want to we want to walk in those steps. We want to do those works. We want to uh, tell people how good it is to know you. So we offer this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, go ahead and read together in the book of Micah. And, and you guys, I think we have it up. I think we have it on the um, screens. But I'll just go ahead and read that for us if you'd like. Micah 5, verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> Now muster yourselves in troops, daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us. With the rod, they will smite. With the rod, they will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has, come, has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. For this one will be our peace. 
when the Assyrian invades our land, when he tramples on our citadels, then we will rise against him, seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. They will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod and its entrances, and he will deliver us from the Assyrian when he attacks our land, when he tramples our territory. Then the remnant of Jacob will be among many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the vegetation, which also, which do not wait for man or delay for the sons of men. So we have this one section, um, this one glimmer of hope in the midst of a rough time that these guys were in. Israel was in a very dark place, weren't they? And we found that and seen that all the way along. Um, and I was thinking of prophecy and, the, and where prophecy fits in today. And I just wanted to spend a few minutes discussing that because I think it's so important. That in uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that prophecy was giving for building one another up for edification. God giving a word that will build us up. God giving a word that will challenge us for exhortation. When, or God giving a word that will comfort us in, the, in tough times that we go through. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. You keep going in this time. So that's a general picture of prophecy. Um, some, some of prophecy is foretelling. It's predicting the future. It's predictive in nature, right? And, and this, these, this prophecy that we read here in Micah is that. Uh, it tells us that he's going to raise up a ruler. This ruler has his feet in eternity, i.e., it's the Lord Jesus who preexisted before he came to the earth. And, and this ruler is going to rule all the nations, and this ruler is going to redeem Israel. And then he's raised up a shepherd. The, the Lord Jesus is going to be a shepherd who will uh, lead his flock into God's presence. Um, also, prophecy is it's foretelling, predictive. It's foretelling, speaking God's word and speaking God's message to us today. Um, and that's instructive. Um, so there's the predictive side of it, but there's the instructive side of prophecy. And a good example of that is in Luke 1, where John the Baptist's dad was giving this prophecy, and all he's doing is taking God's word and applying it to this situation. He says, this is, this is what the prophets are talking about. And it was encouraging, and he had this broad scope and this big picture of what was happening. Um, the Lord points in his word to the how important the accuracy of prophecy is, is a validation and verification of his word. And I guess Cameron and I and Chris were talking this week, and we were talking about where we were going, where I hoped that we would go in this teaching time tonight. And I was just saying, I, I just have two desires. It, this, is, this is what's um, kind of rumbling in my heart. Number one is that we, as God's children, would, would have a greater sense of God's word being totally trustworthy and totally reliable and God's character being totally good and totally trustworthy and totally reliable. Because when you think about it, at the core of unbelief, when we go through times of doubt and unbelief, God's word is challenged and God's goodness is challenged. And so I want us to have, a, especially in dark times, for, for us to have an understanding that God is really in control. And he's told us in his word what these times are going to look like so that we're not, we're not surprised. And yet we're surprised, aren't we? We're surprised by evil that we see. 
And, and we think, well, that can't get worse than that, and it gets worse than that, and we get surprised. But God wants us to understand that his word is totally, totally trustworthy. Um, his hand is in it. His character is backing it up. It's the guarantee for the validation of his word. We can put our total confidence in his word, in the accuracy. And we see with our history, what we have experienced so far up to this point in time, we can see how accurate his word was in regarding Jesus' first coming, even though the guys at the time didn't get that clear. But that will give us hope and confidence in his word, talking about his second coming and what's going to come upon the world. And God wants us to have that confidence. In, in the word, in the book of Isaiah, he affirms the reliability of his word and also how important it is that, he is, that he's predicting what's happening because he says it's unique. And listen to these verses. They're kind of cool. Isaiah 44, 6 to 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and there is no God besides me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order from the time that I established the ancient nation. And then listen to this. And let them declare, and let them declare to them the things that are coming and the, and the events that are going to take place. And the Lord says that his, his credibility is because his word is true and his word points to his credibility. Um, and he says in Jeremiah 1.12, he said this. He says that the, then the Lord said to me, you have, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. And we know what he says in, in the New Testament. He says, um, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My word will not pass away. Every comment, every exclamation point will have, it, will have its fulfillment, the Lord says. When we look at Jesus' first coming, there was a couple hundred prophecies um, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, uh, the manner of life he was going to live, the, manner, the way he was going to be killed. Um, there were 200 prophecies, and he fulfilled every one of them. Um, every one. So he wants us to have confidence that it will happen just as he said when we look to the future prophecies and times that we're going through. I think it's time to get the prophetic verses off the shelf and start seeing what he has to say and be students of that area because I think we'll be overwhelmed if we're not. Um, he said in Timothy that things will go from bad to worse in, in the last times. And if we're not in the last times, I can guarantee you that this is a a birth pain that it, the last times will look like this, but harder. So we need to be aware of what's happening. And the commandment to us as believers is to be alert and aware and not fall asleep. Um, also, I think we need confidence to understand that, um, that our forgiveness and our, us being members of his family and all the promises that we claim as believers are directly related to his faithfulness in keeping his word in, in prophetic matters. So I think we have an incentive to do that, to really study those things. It's sort of interesting, and you can Google this, it's sort of an interesting deal, but one guy just 
started doing some probability things, just the math side of that. And he laid aside 200 of the prophecies, and he just took eight prophecies that are time-specific and place-specific. And the probability of one person doing just those eight that have a specific time and place criteria was 10 to the, like, 53rd power or something like that. It's amazing. And yet Jesus fulfilled all 200. And I love to say, yeah, he did do it intentionally. He, he, he intended where he was going to be born. He intended the way he was going to die. But that was part of God's plan for us to be encouraged that it's good to put our trust in him. Sometimes we see it in the scripture that prophecy gets a little tricky because we see this all the way through because they got the Old Test or the first coming prophecies confused with the second coming prophecies. They thought they were all jammed together. And it's just like looking at, uh, up at the Catalina Mountains. We stand here and we see the mountains, but really it's like going up on one ridge and you see this big gap between it. And then you see the next ridge and you can go up on that ridge and you see this huge gap between it. And then you can get up on top of the mountain. Well, God's prophecies are that way in nature. There's usually an immediate fulfillment of the prophecies that, that the prophets are talking about. There, there's often an intermediate fulfillment. And then you see the latter days prophecies indicated in that time, in that latter day, um, to indicate that this is still yet way future. Um, another thing that that is is troublesome in the prophecy area is that um, there's a mystery there. It's not all crystal clear, is it? You see, the, the Pharisees were always confused about that. Well, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't come from Nazareth, or the Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth, but they never approached the Lord Jesus and asked him, well, how does this line up? If you're the Messiah, how does this line up? And the Lord, I think, includes that mystery, that uncertainty and initial looking for time's sake, um, that Daniel talks about prophecy being covered and hidden until the time that it's needed. Also for humility's sake, that God wants us to be dependent and come to him and ask him, how does this fit? Every time the disciples went to the Lord Jesus after he said some prophetic thing, they said, how does this work? And he told them. And God wants us to be the same way. How does this work, Lord? He says to the, the Pharisees, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me, and you won't come to me that you might have life. So the Lord wants us to, to be men and women that are aware of what's happening in the word and prophetic things so that we can act appropriately. What impact does he want to have in our lives? Well, he wants us to be willing to change and willing to yield and say, Lord, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I want to line up with your purposes. And he wants us to submit to his word and his work. I'd like to talk a minute about the rule because this is one of the things that's it's prophesied here. A ruler will raise up. Verses 2 and 3. We see, in this, we see in this prophecy the whole area of reconciliation and restoration being brought in. Um, and, and the Lord just wants us to see that he... He talked about his ruler being raised up. Let's read this together. In verse 2, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrata, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from 
from you one will go forth for me to be the ruler of Israel. And then this is an interesting statement. It's going forth there from long ago from the days of eternity. And we see that he's talking about the Lord Jesus and talking about his deity. And he's going to step out of eternity and step into this town. Um, and he's going to be a ruler. And it says he will, re- he, he will return to the sons of Israel and they will arise and he'll shepherd his flock in the strength of, of the Lord. He wants us to be those that submit to his rule. This is still in process, isn't it? That this prophecy is so far-reaching that he's been accumulating people under his rule um, from the Old Testament all the way to his life and death, and then from that point on, and we still don't see that happen. It's really interesting, too, that this rule, the Jewish nation looked at it as so small. They had such a narrow view of that. But his rule is multi-generational and multicultural, and it's ongoing. He's adding people to this new kingdom, one by one, instance by instance. His, this scope is worldwide and ongoing and way greater than they ever would have anticipated it would have been. I think when we yielded ourselves to the Lord Jesus, we entered into something that's way bigger and way grander than we ever thought we would ever think it would be. It says in Psalm 33, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Um, When I was younger in Tucson on Channel 13, every night, every night that they'd show the American flag and they would quote that verse, uh, implying that we're the nation whose God is the Lord. And at times we have been, more than we have been in other times. But listen to it. He clarifies who this nation whose God is the Lord is. It says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. And he's adding to that nation, that huge company of believers that's described in Revelation as people from every tongue, every tribe, and every people, and every nation, all subjecting themselves to his lordship. Um, we're part of something really big. And God wants us to have that understanding, especially in these rocky times that we're uh, living in. Psalm 22 is one of the most specific psalms dealing with Jesus' death. And some of the amazing prophecies about how how he was going to be pierced through, they were going to gamble for his clothing, and all these things that he had no personal control over at the moment. But then at the end of Psalm 22, it's one of the most sweeping pictures of God's purpose in, his, uh, in the scope of his salvation. And listen to this verse. It says, in all the ends of the earth, Psalm twenty-two twenty-seven. all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over all the nations. Isn't that, a, isn't that amazing? I mean, that's just a broad scope of his love. God so really so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he wants us to understand that his purposes and plan are marching right along, and we're along with that. We're in that. Um, and, he has a, and he has something that he wants us to do in the midst of that. On Calvary and after the, and after the resurrection, at the Resurrection Sunday, 
there was, there was a huge shift in all of eternity. And something happens. Jesus was given the name that's above every name. He was raised up. He rules. Um, and God's glorified when we confess that he's Lord. But it says in the book of Hebrews that he, he is the ruler. All Everything has been subject under his feet. And then this is an interesting phrase. It says, even though we don't see it yet. And God wants us to live as people that are part of this chosen race, holy priesthood, a people for God's own possession, to live like he really is ruling because in God the Father's eyes he is. His name is above every name. And one day we'll see that. We'll see that happen. Jesus is indeed the Lord. And, and you know what? When we confess that Jesus is Lord, it glorifies the Father. He has given him a name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, what? To the glory of God the Father. When this company of believers sits here on a Saturday night or Sunday morning or any of God's children, and I love the way Jerry has described it over the, just over the course of a Sunday, people all around the world are worshiping the Lord and acknowledging that he is Lord, and that brings glory to God the Father. When we in our hearts submit ourselves to his leadership and his rule, in the simplest areas, way down deep inside, that gives glory to God the Father. And he wants us to do that and live that way. The second area, because when we think of rulers, we think of authority and power, but this is a ruler that knows us by name. The second area is the area of shepherding. And we, we know, and I even have the verses, um, the, the verses in the bulletin and on the screen, Psalm 23 and John 10. But I, I'd like us to look just at the shepherding area, just as a little bit bigger, the bigger scope of that. Um, four to seven, it talks, verses four to seven, it talks about he'll raise up the shepherd. But this shepherd is one that's, shepherding and leading his flock in this we're adding people to that flock and he's leading us into eternity into God's purposes and plans we can trust him to do that we can trust him to take us on that way and um, this shepherd is the one that's opened the door he is the door of the sheep and he knows us by name and he leads us out in the way that he wants us to go he's the shepherd that gives us peace with God because he is our peace um, and, and he wants us to experience that right into God's presence. Um, he wants us to be that great number that just acknowledges him and brings glory to God. It's sort of interesting, a little bit later in the book, he, he combines these two roles, him being the ruler and the Lord and the shepherd. It says, shepherd your people with your scepter, not with your rod, but with your scepter. And here we have the king who knows us by name, and we have the shepherd that knows us by name too. And he wants us to have that confidence that we're in good care as we walk with him day by day. Cameron, I'd like for you guys to come on up. And, and, um, and here's a couple things that I think we can take home with us. There's, there's no um, substitute for time with him. 
That's the time where we renew our hearts, we renew our vision, we get in his word and we find out his ways. There's just no substitute for getting with him. Asking him anything and everything. Asking him, how does this fit? He wants us to get that. He wants us to submit to his rule like the Lord Jesus did in the little instances day by day, in the big instances. Lord, I I don't like this plan A. Is there a plan B? Um, This death on the cross doesn't sound too good, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And God wants us to learn how to do that in, in today so that we can do that in the bigger instances in life. Submit to his rule. We bring glory to God when we do so. The test of that is not when things are going well, but when things aren't going well. When I don't like this, I didn't choose this, but Lord, you ordered it. I need help to get through this, to submit to his rule. And then to enjoy his shepherding and his care. He wants us to be those that are quick to run into his presence, to take refuge in him, to call on his name. Like I mentioned before, I think one of the greatest criteria for um, that shows our maturity is not our great dynamic ministry or our ability to do this or not having difficulties, but it's how fast we turn things over to him, how fast we enter that place of dependence with him. I think that's one of the greatest um, characteristics of maturity, and God wants to include him in anything and everything. Um, so let's continue our time of worship, and, and let's continue our time of remembrance of him and um, and what he's done for us together and just sing and worship him like we're that people that um, that are a holy priesthood, a people for God's own possession. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you're welcome to join us in this um, this table. And also we have those that might be interested in gluten-free bread. We have that in the back table. And let's just worship him together in, in uh Give glory to God together.